Marcus Pearson is going to be sharing with us today, and I am, I am excited about this message. I've already heard it once. I know you're going to be blessed by it. Marcus and Ann are the missionaries that we support in Nicaragua. A year ago, a group of us went down there to see the work and to be a part of it, and wow, what an experience that was. Well, Marcus and I were talking while we were there, and I asked him what he was seeing happen in the church around the world. And you want to get a different perspective when you're asking questions like that, so why not ask somebody that has given their life to global missions, and Marcus and Ann have, and he had some great answers. So I asked him to come and share with our church a message titled, What's Happening in the, the Church Around the World? And that's what he's going to do. Marcus is going to share all kinds of different things with you about what he is seeing and trends that are happening. He'll tell you a little bit about the ministry that they serve in, but not a lot. He did that in Sunday school. I will tell you this. While we were there, one of our team members asked Marcus how he thought they could change the country of Nicaragua in the name of Jesus Christ. And this was his answer. He said, one child at a time. In the, the nation of Nicaragua, it is standard practice that they don't go past fifth grade in school. So Marcus and Ann have schools that they have planted around the country, and as of this fall, they have 900 students. 900 students in school. They have planted churches around the country. They work with agricultural ministries trying to teach people sustainability. They bring fresh water to people that don't have fresh water. They work with small businesses. They teach trades. They feed people that don't have any food. It is really a juggernaut of a ministry that is impacting Latin America significantly. I'm glad that we are partnered with them, and I hope you are as well. You're going to get blessed this morning in the message that he brings. Let me pray with you, and then I'll ask you to welcome Marcus Pearson. Father in heaven, it's good to be here today in your house. Thank you that your spirit is here with us. And Father, I'm grateful for that being the, the case no matter where we're at. When two or three of us gather together, you're there in our midst. And that is a, that's a blessing we just, we can't even put it into words. Thank you, Lord, for walking through life with us. Thank you for being beside us all the time. You bring great hope when we need it the most. And Father, you bring security to our lives. You bring salvation to us. Thank you for all those things. But thank you for your love. Thank you for a love that sent your son to the cross for each one of us. And thank you, Lord, that those of us that are bold enough to call upon your name can receive the gift of eternal life. Lord, we're grateful for all of that. This morning, we are grateful that we have the chance to open up our Bibles and learn. So I pray that you'll teach us. I pray that you'll inspire us. I pray that through Marcus's ministry and his message, you will compel us to be involved in the things that you want us to be involved in. We ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you welcome Marcus Pearson this morning? <laughs> Thanks, Phil. I just have one question about the, the hunting trip. Now, he says, if I heard it right, he says he shot off six boxes of shells. No, no, I said we. We. Okay, well... How many birds did you hit? <laughs> that's a secret that All right, fine. That's fine. Just, 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 uh, just, just checking. So, 
Hey, uh, we are really thankful, uh, Ann and I are, to, uh, to be able to come here and just thankful that, uh, that, that Phil um, invited us and uh, just uh, thanks for, it was great to share uh, with him and, and Tina and uh, Ray last night at their house. And just, uh, just really great to reconnect and see faces that we saw on the, the, the Libby trip last year. Uh, it's just been a real encouragement to, uh, to Ann and I to just, just come here and connect and of course to, to see Montana. We've never been in Montana before, uh, so it's, it's, just, uh, it's just been a really refreshing time for us uh, as, we, as we come up here to, to be with you all. And I, before we get into the, the text, uh, which we're going to take from Romans chapter 10, uh, before, we, before we jump into the text, I wanted to just say again that the ministry that we do in Nicaragua is an extension of the ministry of this church. This local congregation uh, reaches and extends down to Nicaragua. We could not do what we do without the financial support uh, of Libby and other churches, uh, the, the continuing to lift us up uh, in prayer for open doors and for the safety and for the provision for the work, uh, the, the, the visits when teams can come and, and see what's going on. All of that is so critical for God's uh, kingdom to advance. And we just want to say thank you for making the mission in Nicaragua a part of your church's, um, your local church's ministry. It's just every bit as, it's every bit as, as core of what you're doing here in the community and evangelism and serving uh, as what we're doing in Nicaragua. We are an extension of what this local congregation is doing, being faithful in God's kingdom. And I thank you. So we'd like to dive into the text a little bit. We're going to be uh, sharing a few statistics, uh, not too many. I'm not really uh, very good with numbers. Uh, there's not going to be any kind of a test or quiz after this, so, uh, so don't, uh, don't worry about that. Uh, I do want to call attention uh, to this uh, handout that we're given. Now, for those that are in the uh, parking lot or uh, here outside or in the chapel, just uh, you can look at this on the, uh, on the app, uh, the Libby app. And so uh, just, we're not going to go over all of this, but just some ideas to identify some of the main trends in missions and evangelism worldwide in 2020. So as we, as we think about that, I wanted to focus our, our attention on God's word and what God has to say about evangelism and about missions. And wanted to do that by reading from chapter 10 of Romans, starting in verse 13 just to help us focus our time together. And if you would, please, would you stand with me in reverence as God's word is read? Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would go with us. Uh, let your Holy Spirit guide us as we reflect and as we learn, uh, as we're encouraged and challenged from your word. Father, thank you for missionaries that have gone, uh, have gone on before us, uh, being faithful and spreading the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for all the opportunities you give us to serve in your kingdom. And thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture in the letter of Romans, I find that there's three pairs 
of, of actions. And that's kind of how we're going to try to orient our thinking about uh, missions and about the spread of the gospel in, in our time. And so we, the, the first pair that we find, we find the Apostle Paul speaking about calling and saving. He says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to remember that as we take a big picture view of what God is doing in the world, we need to take a big picture view of what he's doing in history. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, he says, in you, in your descendants, all the nations of the world shall be blessed. So even from the very beginning, he's, he's pulling this back out to see the whole world, not just, a, not just one tribe in the desert in the ancient near Middle East, but God is already pulling this back to a time when everyone around the world would be able to hear the word and good news. We fast forward over to Revelation, over there in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. God says, or revealed to the Apostle John that this was in fact going to come about and that the Apostle John witnessed and saw people in heaven, he says, from every race, tribe, tongue, every nation, every place that you can possibly imagine. And so as we think about the, the, the record of the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, we see that God, his intention was always that he would call unto himself men and women from every ethnic group, from every tribe, from every place on this earth. And so that's, that, is, that is the big task. That is the big thing that God is doing in the world today. And that is the task that's, that, that we are a part of. There are some good things. There are some, um, there are some very positive trends. There are also some things which are very challenging. Let's, um, let's first think about what the Apostle Paul said uh, here in verse 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. First of all, we need to understand that as we think about evangelism as Christians, we are still committed to a body of truth that salvation is found in the name of Jesus. What are we going out to preach? We are preaching about Jesus. We are not preaching that it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe as long as you're sincere or some version of that. We, we, we are not proclaiming, well, it, it's okay if this is what you feel, uh, then that's probably okay for you today. Th th this is not what we are committed to preaching and teaching. Paul says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we, we, we think about some of the big trends that are going on in the world, and we see, our, we see societies and nations uh, becoming polarized over political beliefs and and many other things, uh, it's just challenging to understand, or it, we need to understand first and foremost that whatever the current trends in, in popular culture anywhere in the world, we are committed to the truth of the gospel and that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to uh, remember one of the, the, the large trends uh, in the world today, uh, as you see on the handout there, uh, if you want to take a look at that, Growing, number, growing absolute number of non-believers. There are more people that don't know Christ today than there were last week and last month and so on. We live in, in, in a time when the number of people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior is increasing. 
and that's, that, that's serious business for us in the church. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the, the traditional strongholds of Christianity uh, in, in Europe and in, in North America, especially around here, the United States, uh, the, 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 those strongholds of Christianity, let's face it, we're all getting older, right? We're not having as many kids as we did a couple of generations ago. Whereas, in, in you look at the global Christianity, you think now the, the, the vast, or the, 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 there are larger numbers of Christians in Latin America and in Africa and in certain parts of Asia than, than there are in the Northern Hemisphere. And so we, we, we see that there are uh, some of the traditional places where the Christianity has drawn a strength from, uh, we're, we're getting older. Also, our society is, is more divided. Uh, there, there is less integral Christian testimony now than there used to be. And so you have uh, high birth rates in countries that are traditionally Muslim countries. And so the bottom line is there are more and more numbers of people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so the task is great, and the task is also increasing as we mentioned, the, the idea of, of, of calling upon the name of the Lord so that you can be saved. We, we need to understand that, that in some of these big trends where the strongholds of Christianity in, in, in Europe and in, in North America are maybe losing population, it is encouraging, as a matter of fact. It is encouraging for us to see that more people in Latin America and Africa and Asia are becoming Christians. And so what, one of the things that we will uh, unpack a little bit later on is it's not, that, it's not that missionaries are no longer needed, it's that some of the focus and some of the tactics that we use on the mission field need to change to address these new realities. And so we, we think about, and we'll get into that a little bit later on, but we think about, first of all, we are committed still to preach the Word of God. That has not changed. World trends, populations, uh, techniques for ministry may change, but we are still about preaching the Word of God so that the men and women can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We want to jump right in to the second little pairing that we have here. We have hearing and believing. The, the Apostle Paul says, okay, if people are going to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, first of all, they need to hear the good news and they need to believe it. It's critical that people at some point in their lives before they die cross that line of faith and at some point name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and obey him. That, that is the point. And if we, if we are not making that a reality for people, then we understand that this increasing number of men and women will, in fact, face a godless eternity separated from God. And so we think about this today. The statistics that have been compiled is what I'm sharing you today. Don't worry, we're not real numbers heavy here this morning. But the Joshua Project says that as of today, there are around 3 billion, 3.2 billion people who are unsaved. And, and, and that's just a huge, mind-boggling number. God can comprehend that when he looks at the world. I, I, I have to say, I really can't. But what I, what I do know and what that means to me is that the task is great, that there are, there are countless 
vast numbers of people, men, women, and children, who are just like you and me, who have, who have been born, who have lives, who have aspirations, who have hopes and desires and dreams, that these men and women are shut out of the salvation that is offered by Jesus Christ, something which you and I enjoy. And so we, we think about those 3.2 billion people, uh, it, it's a huge number. There's another huge number within that of what is considered to be frontier people in the sense that there are, there are large, large groups of people, uh, mostly in, in India, in Central Asia, that belong to people groups or tribes or a, a group of people that can be identified as having a common culture, uh, perhaps a common language, but you, th these groups that are identified, but within, within the, the, the larger group of unsaved people, we have the core of, of frontier groups. These are people, these are people who will very likely be born, live, and die never having met a Christian. These are people who essentially have zero access to the good news. And there, and there are two billion of them. And so if, if we think about the, the, the big task that still remains for Christ's followers in this day and age, we think about the, the missionary task for, for the next two decades or until Jesus Christ returns, that is the final frontier. That is where the church needs to begin to shift and focus and think, how can we place Christian people in a position where these folks that have zero access to anything about Christians, how can they hear the word? The Apostle Paul speaks about hearing and believing. And so that's, that's just, a, just an, an, an enormous task to think about that. But we need to remember, like Phil said, we talked about changing the world one child at a time. Okay, the, the, the fact is the task is huge. The task is enormous. It's incomprehensible for us. But, but God knows. Remember, we looked at from Genesis to Revelation, God is committed to doing that, to reaching all of these people with good news of his kingdom. And so it, it's enormous. It's inaccessible even for us to comprehend it. But remember that we serve a God who is all about doing the huge things in the world. Now, that's a huge task. It's, it's an enormous number of people. I want to bring it back home just a little bit before we pass on to the next point. We think about millions and millions of people, thousands of tribes that have no access to the gospel. That's a tragedy. That, that is a horrific reality that people live in. I'm going to tell you that you, you think about you know, some folk Muslim who lives in the, the central steppes of Central Asia, where many of these tribes are. You think about that person, or you think about perhaps a Mosquito Indian uh, in, in some very far away corner of Nicaragua. You think that we, we, we think about those people as being far away from salvation for many reasons, and they are. I'm going to tell you this morning that probably you're living close to people that are just as far away from salvation. I'm going to tell you that there, there are people in Libby, uh, in Kalispell, and other places that we've drove through, there, there are 
in St. Charles, Missouri, where we came from, folks that have never had a positive uh, encounter with a Christian person. Unfortunately, in, in ministry, and I'm sure Phil has uh, come across this many times, we meet, we meet people who have, have been damaged by Christians. Uh, and and that, that is also a, a tragic reality that all of us live. And so as we, as we, we think about a, a big picture worldwide, we, we think about this 1040 window, the latitudes of 10 and 40 degrees, and where that cluster of these, of these people that have no access to the Christian testimony, we can also pull ourselves back in the United States and remember that we live among neighbors who are lost. There are people that you are close to that only you can reach for the gospel. There are men and women in your family, in your workplace, in your school, that even though they live here in the United States with churches all around, with Christian radio, with TV, with any number of Christian uh, information available to them, have never crossed that line of faith. And it is necessary that somewhere along the line they meet a Christian person who can interact with them with love and with understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. They're just as lost as the folks over in Central Asia. And so we think it's a huge task, but folks, it, it, it still boils down to you and, and me interacting with people day in and day out. And we think of every single time we look someone in the eye and shake their hand or, you know, do some COVID, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I kind of like the salute, you know, that's, that, that's me. So, you know, whatever we're doing every time we meet someone and, 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 and when that encounter, when that interaction ends, the question is, is that person closer to Jesus or farther away because they've spent time around me? It, it, it's an enormous picture. It's an enormous task. But folks, it's still one interaction at a time. Hearing and believing the Word of God. The Apostle Paul continues with his, his series of questions, and he says, okay, how can people hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? And so we, we think about uh, many of these most unreached, the most isolated from Christian testimony, we think about many of those tribes, and there we, they identify around 7,000 of them, and, and, and many of them live in a swath of the world called the 1040 window, which as I said before, is this part. You see they're clustered here in India, Central uh, Asia, and then over in certain parts of Sub-Saharan uh, Africa, down, also down there into Indonesia and those areas. That's where those folks are clustered. And there are a few of them, you know, spotted around here up in Canada, a few down in, in South America. But, but we, think about, we think about these unreached people groups. The vast majority of them are in countries that are closed to traditional mission work. So, you know, we have our kind of our, our, our stereotype of the missionaries hacking his way through the jungle, and he's got you know, his little helmet on, and then he finds the tribe, they're out in the middle of the jungle and everything, and they throw him in a pot and try to eat him and all this kind of stuff. That's, a, you know, that's a, a kind of a stereotypical, silly idea of what mission work is like. 
But you see, the sad reality is these, these closed country uh, groups, you simply cannot go in there in the way that we go in in Nicaragua. Now, in Nicaragua, we've tried to shift around. Uh, the Nicaraguan people that we work with are, are many of them, not all of them, many of them are very mature Christian believers. They have become leaders in the churches, in the schools. We are so blessed with the Nicaraguan men and women that we have that work with us down there in the schools, in the feeding programs, uh, in the churches, in the water work, in the community development. We are so blessed. These folks don't have that. You, you, you can't even go there, okay? You can go as a tourist. Uh, you, you perhaps can go on some type of a special uh, you know, tour or something. But many of these countries are simply closed to traditional evangelism. I can't go there and say, okay, I'm going to preach the word of God. Uh, you'd be thrown out, you'd be put in jail, or even killed. And so one of the things that is an exciting trend for the future is the idea of, of, of using other means to, to get into those countries, to get that testimony in there. And I'll just mention a few of them. One of them is training uh, people from those areas. Uh, in many cases, and uh, you know, Vic Miller uh, from uh, Harvester, uh, Vic Miller is a good example of a Christian man who is very proactive about hosting in his home foreign students. And many of these foreign students are from these countries that are closed to evangelism. But Vic and Mary Ann Miller, they're good about bringing these people in and teaching them and sharing the word of God. And in some cases, I believe that these people that have been impacted by the Miller's faithfulness have gone back to their own country now with an idea of what the word of God says. So foreign students are a great uh, opportunity for us to teach and influence those who are, who are from there that can return. That's one of them. Uh, other friends of ours are involved in, in, in starting small businesses, and so they go in not as missionaries, but they would go into some of these countries uh, working as, uh, as small business people or working with a small uh, agency to, to help farmers or perhaps go in to teach English you know, kind of uh, to just to have the ability to be in those countries and to meet people uh, at a personal level and to begin to provide some degree of access to the gospel for these people. It, it's an exciting, it's a challenging, it, 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 it's going to be the, the future for missions, I believe, for, for the next several years because the only way to get into these this countries is using some other method rather than just simply what we consider traditional ministries. Very exciting, uh, very challenging. It's just going to be, uh, it's going to be spectacular to see what the Lord can do in the next few years uh, as his church kind of opens, uh, opens their eyes to a lot of the opportunities. And I do, I do want to say that many of these creative access uh, activities, I believe, are very exciting because um, often young people will, will, will ask me, how can they be involved in, in mission work? And say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not a preacher, I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a teacher, I don't have those gifts, how can I be involved in Christian service? And I say, okay, well, you know, what, uh, what's, what's, your, what's your major in school? Well, I'm, I'm an agricultural school, or I'm an engineering school. And I, and I say, man, okay, 
that, you know, you're the kind of guy, you're the kind of guy that can get a job uh, with a company that's working in that area. Just finish your degree, you know, get some experience in engineering or, or in agriculture and go over, uh, not as a missionary, but, but just go over and, and, and be a part of what is going on. Go in as an employee of a company. Go in uh, teaching English. Whatever you got to do where the Lord's calling you to, to, to be in those countries and to begin to build relationships so that men and women with no access um, to the gospel can hear it. I want to tell you uh, as we close that if you, if you look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here, He's saying, how can they preach unless they are sent? See, the Apostle Paul didn't leave things to chance. I mean, he had a plan. He had a goal. You, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was, he was preaching up and down the coast of, of Asia Minor. And then he returned to establish the churches and to, to increase their leadership ability. You just think about it, this was not some haphazard thing. This was something that required strategy and planning as the Holy Spirit laid upon his heart where to go and preach the gospel. And so we think about uh, our, our own lives as Christian people. Uh, many people can't go and serve on the mission field uh, for, for any reason. Now, that may be, it simply just isn't your calling. But I tell you what, if you can't go, you are able to send. And sending requires some strategy and some forethought and, 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 and just a process where we're doing this in an orderly and thought out fashion will god change our will god change our plans if they're not in his will you bet now the apostle paul is uh it, it, it's interesting that in his letters he, he said you know what he was talking to the thessalonians and he said you know what many times i planned to come to you but i i couldn't so the idea is that we're, we're, we're planning, we're making preparations, we're making strategy, we're trying to do the, 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 the work of God with discernment and, and, and with, with wisdom. And so that's the kind of thing we're trying to bring uh, to, to bear upon this task of the mission work. I would leave with you, as we think about what can we do, we go back to our, our Muslim who's living in the steppes of Central Asia, we think about people that are isolated from the testimony of the Word of God. And I just want to think about how that contrasts with our own experience. I was sitting over there uh, drinking coffee yesterday morning on the banks of the, I don't know what river, is that the Kootenai over there? Uh, the Kootenai? Beautiful. Oh, my word. And just drinking my coffee and just looking at the pine forest and, and, and the river and you know just and it was it was just you're struck by the beauty of god's creation man what a wonderful god we serve that makes this and and allows us to to enjoy it and yeah there, there's there's problems there's covid there's smoke we get it the world's not perfect but man, you look at that beauty and say, you know, we went to the falls and, uh, and the old cedars, the raw cedars. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. And so we, we take and we can see that as part of God's world and God's beauty and God's goodness and his love for us. But you see, the, the guy over there living in Central Asia, 
who has no idea of what the Word of God says, he's going to look at that same forest, and he's going to look at that same river, and he's going to look at all of these things, and he's not going to see beauty. He's not going to see anything good. He's going to see, a, he's going to see a, a, an environment that is, is hostile. And, and he's going to look at those trees and not say, man, what a wonderful God we serve. He said, I hope there's no demons behind there that are, are trying to sabotage my life. He's not going to look at that beautiful river and say, man, what, what a wonderful, wonderful example of, of, of how God provides. He's going to look at that and say, man, that's separating me from my food. You just, you, you just think about uh, folks lost in every sense of the word. And, and you think about how we can enjoy the salvation that we have, not, not, because, we're, not because we're good, not because we're smart, but, but I'll tell you this, missionaries, missionaries came and preached to your ancestors and my ancestors. When we were living in the forests of Central Europe and worshiping who knows what, we, we are beneficiaries. We stand in debt to those men and women who gave their lives to preach the gospel to our ancestors. And we also owe a debt to those men and women who discipled us and pastored us and cared for us. And so we think, okay, you know, now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to, to, to do what we can. And, and some of the things that they suggest doing, which I think are very, are, are very important, we should be compelled to pray intentionally for, for global evangelism. And we say, okay, well, you know, God already knows, right? God already knows about those guys, so why do I need to pray? Well, the answer is, because he told us to, okay? <laughs> Jesus, said, Jesus said, hey, the fields are white unto harvest. Beseech, I like the old testament, you know, the good old King James, beseech, pray, beg the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, into his harvest. Folks, we, we can identify, we can identify a couple of these tribes and we can pray for them and say, Lord, make it possible for these men and women to hear your word and respond in faith and obedience. We can pray intentionally. We can seek those who are close to us. And that's, that's another prayer. Say, Lord, you know, who is that person that I can have a positive interaction with? Who is that person that can be closer to you because they've spent some time with me. And the Lord will show you. He really will. We need to recognize missions as an extension of the local ministry. That's how I started out, saying thank you. Uh, but just, just remember, the big task is the church's task. We want to be part of something that's bigger than us. We are part of something that is, 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 is historic uh, and, 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 and vast that God is doing, and we are a part of it. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to walk in all the things that I have taught you. And he concludes with the promise, lo, I am with you always. And so we think about, again, the Apostle Paul says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Folks, we, we understand that when we are faithful in participating in what God is doing, 
we stand in a place to receive God's blessing. And that's where I want to be.